Real educators. Real students. Real struggle. We bring you stories from schools and classrooms that reveal the true struggles faced in education. That leads into the next question. So for our listeners out there, uh, how might they apply what you've learned about living with PTSD and mental health issues in the workplace? Well, I'm going to say things that, even though I believe them, sometimes it's hard to really feel like I believe them. And so that's kind of a caveat or a, or a preface to what I'm going to say. Even when you don't believe these things, they're still true. The first is that you're not alone. More people around you are struggling or have struggled than you'd ever imagine. Another is that you can't do everything. No one can. In fact, often we're overwhelmed by this huge list of things we have to do. So you can do one thing. And then if you get that thing done, maybe you can do one more thing. Um, but you can't look at a huge you know, buffet of food and eat it all. You'd have to you know, say, OK, you know what, maybe I'll just snack, <laughs> right? And then see how it goes from there. Um, people were not actually designed to be alone um, or to feel alone or to struggle in silence. That is not the way the human body you know, is set up. That's not the way the psyche is set up. Um, solitude in terms of like loneliness is not our normal state of being. We will all be lonely at times, but that's not what we should say is okay all the time. Solitude for peace is one thing. Solitude in, in terms of loneliness is not how we're made to be. Um, also, if you got up today, you already made it to school or work, you are already winning. <laughs> you, you've made the first step. Anything that you get done that day is a, an achievement. Um, and then finally, and this is something I, I sometimes have to remind people close to me, mental health issues are no different from any other illness or injury. Um, if somebody had a broken leg or if somebody has cancer, you wouldn't expect them to keep it a secret that they need medical attention. You wouldn't um, expect them to uh, refuse medical attention, right? You'd get frustrated with them. And you would be very supportive of them getting the medical attention that they need. Um, psychiatric emotional care is medical, whether there's medicine involved or not. It's, it's, a, it's you know, talk treatment and therapy and EMDR and all these other things. These are medical procedures and medical treatments. So um, if we look at these things, same thing is true for things like addiction. We know these are, these are medical issues. It just happens to be more of the mind, which is part of your body, than of a physical part of your body that you might think of otherwise. So those are kind of the big ones that I've learned and that I hope people can take to heart. Well, and that was a really great list of tips. I imagine a couple folks will want to rewind and listen to that piece again for those nuggets. The one that's really standing out to me is just literally the, the very first one, you are not alone. So thank you um, for sharing those. How does sharing everything you just shared help your students? I alluded to this before, um, you know, that, that I work in a place where we're trying to model for the students that um, wellness is, is primary. If, you, if you're not taking care of yourself, you won't be able to achieve all these things you think you want to achieve. Students tend to think that once they reach adulthoods, uh, sorry, students tend to think that once they reach adulthood, all of their problems will just go away and life is going to be easy. Um, those of us who are adults are like, ha, 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 uh, what do you see? 
But what they don't realize is adults are just children with a bigger number for their age. And I tell the kids this all the time. Um, when we show them what it means to struggle in ways that are productive, um, and also how to show compassion for other people and for ourselves, showing compassion for ourselves is an important thing to model for kids. These are skills that we're giving them for the rest of their lives. I mean, if I'm almost 50 and I'm needing to keep reminding myself and needing to learn new things and, you know, we, we say we want to be lifelong learners, that means in the learning how to care for ourselves and how to be compassionate towards ourselves as well. And um, it's important that adults, whether it be parents, educators, other people they come in contact with, are genuine with kids because um, if, we, if we let them to believe that things are always easy, they're in for a real shock when they get to adulthood and it's not easy. So that's that I think is, is the best way I can help students. Um, and also just by my being open, that means they find me more approachable. So I have had students sometimes come to me and say, I need to talk to someone. Um, and sometimes that means that I at some point I say, okay, you and I need to go to the counselor right now because we've reached the limit of what I am like qualified to do. And of course I'm a mandated reporter too, so sometimes those issues come up too. But um, just having that trust and, and knowing that I'm not going to think badly of them because they're struggling with something, um, I think that's important. So I think that's a way that it helps students too. So you have mentioned uh, in a few of these questions that your current school is working on what we're now referring to as SEL, social emotional learning in the workplace, wellness, mindfulness, etc. So I am wondering, as a veteran educator and as a female who is struggling with mental health and PTSD labels or none, what is your thinking about this new push toward SEL in schools, and is it even new? I think um, it's not that it's new, but it's something that's emerging from the shadows. We've always had services in place, um, but they maybe haven't gotten the, the, the funding or the recognition or the um, acknowledgement that they need. We used to do these things more in secret, and they're now more out in the open. So instead of acting like mental health issues are something that should be hidden, we are speaking more openly about them and, um, and also talking about how common these issues are. And it isn't that there's necessarily more, it's that we are more aware, it's that we are clearer with our diagnostic criteria. And this is also true of, of like learning differences and things too, right? Um, we're better educated, we've learned more, we've uh, done more research, so we know that these are things that are prevalent. So instead of pretending like, oh, there's some, I mean, when I was a kid in school, I'd heard of the child study team and I knew there were people that worked at my school that were the child study team, I had no idea what that meant. Um, and I knew kids in special ed and I didn't know that that had anything to do with that or, or other situations, right? So um, now I think everybody is very aware. We talk very openly about, we have the counselors at the school and, and there's so many things that fall under the umbrella of the things that they can help you with, right? I think this is really good. I think it's important. Um, I think that if, we had the kind of climate we have now when I was a kid. And when I experienced my initial trauma, I may have gotten the help that I needed when I was a child. And my parents would have known that that was something that was available. 
rather than 40 years after it happened, finally getting a diagnosis, finally finding out that PTSD is a thing that can happen to people who aren't living in a war zone or in the military. You know, um, even when my dad passed away, uh, let's see, 12 years ago, um, and I experienced flashbacks, I remember saying to friends, this is what I, it sounds like PTSD is like, but of course it's not PTSD because like, like that happens to soldiers, that happens to people who live in war zones, right? Um, and that's one of the first things you learn about when you go for trauma education is that, first of all, we don't compare our traumas, and second, PTSD can happen just from witnessing something, not even having ha had it happen to you. And so, um, you know, the more open we are, the more, uh, like again, we normalize these terms, we normalize these subject matters. Um, I think more people are gonna get the help they need before, I mean, the reason I have fibromyalgia is because of the PTSD and decades of living with the stress and the inflammation and all that stuff and never knowing what it was. Um, and that's, that's a major, there's a major correlation between those two diagnoses. Um, and so, you know, everything I've gone through in my life has been important. There are things that maybe I would rather have not have happened, but um, if we had the current climate of social emotional learning being a, an important talking point in schools, when I was a child in the 70s and 80s, then very likely I would have a very different physical profile right now. Well, we're starting to wind down on our time together on the Struggle is Real you want to add that we didn't already talk about in our time together? You know, when I when you first um, sent me this question, I was like, I don't know if there is anything else to add, but then I thought about it a little bit more. And um, and it's funny because as I'm looking at my phone where I've made some notes, I'm seeing a, a colleague sending me a Facebook Messenger message um, about something else, but this is someone who walked up to me yesterday during school meeting. I had two different people walk up to me during school meeting and say, I wanted to say this face to face, I didn't comment on it on Facebook. And it was regarding the post that I just made the other day about, um, you know, I, I have internalized shame around needing medication for various things. And most of my medications are actually for physical things, like blood pressure, cholesterol, fibromyalgia. Um, but uh, it's funny that I'm seeing that because it kind of goes along with the, the sort of last piece that I wanted to add. And um, I hope this doesn't come across any, any way other than how I intend it. And that is, if you, if you confide in someone, if you, if you share something with someone and they seem like uncomfortable with that or like they don't wanna know, find someone else to talk to. Now, it may just be that the person you tried to speak to first didn't know how to handle it or they have struggles of their own and maybe what you just shared is like too close to home for them. And, and, they just might be ignorant or they or they are embarrassed or they don't want to admit that they know all too well what you're talking about because they may be at a different place in their struggle. Or maybe they just have a really great life and feel like you're a downer, but you're not. And it's really important that you not waste your time or your energy sharing this part of yourself with someone who would judge you or who would disrespect you because anybody that's worth your resources is gonna respect and love you more for being open and honest about the things that you go through. Um, so I think 
It's not to say cut people out of your life, although there are definitely people to cut out of your life. But if, if you talk to someone and they're not the right person to talk to, talk to someone else because you're helping to normalize these conversations. All right, so at the beginning of our time together, uh, you mentioned a blog post. Mm -hmm. if, is that something that you want to give folks that info so they can read up on this a bit more about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the exact URL, but my, my blog is at originalgeek.blogspot.com. So um, I think it just says Confessions of an OG, and then it's Original Geek at Blogspot. Um, and it was a post about the experience that I had last May where I kind of... Um, relived some of the my initial trauma while I was on our senior trip in Laguna Beach um, because there was a hypnotist and there was a whole thing. We don't do the hypnotist thing anymore, but um, <coughs> it was, <coughs> I was not being hypnotized, but um, when I went through this experience and, and it was a very, very challenging reliving of, of some of my trauma, it made me realize that um, treating it like it was a secret just contributed to how hard it was. And so now when I meet people or I see people or you know I talk to people, there's a chance that they've read that. There's a chance that they know that about me. And that's okay with me. Um, and so um, I shared it knowing that it would help people to find out that you know when these things happen, it's, it's more common than people realize. Um, that people are going through something like this. And so also it just helped me, just writing about what happened, helped me to kind of process what I experienced. Um, and so that's that's on there. There's all kinds of stuff on there, uh, lots of things that I've written about over the years, but that's one of the more recent posts on there, if not the most recent post. So by all means, if people want to read that, if they're curious about my initial trauma um, and, and how that has affected me even 40 years later, they could go ahead and read that. All right, well, Diane Main, thank you for the time tonight on this um, fairly warm evening in February in the Bay Area. And I imagine um, if we need more information, we know where to find you in the ether on social media. And we'll put some of this information in our show notes. If you are not familiar with Diane Main and you do want to read some of her work and follow the things that she's doing out there as an ed tech influencer and a veteran educator, um, please do so. And thank you for your time. Thank you.